This is episode 179 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Woodcutting When the SHTF, What You Need to Know to Hastily Acquire a Wood Supply, and Six Things Preppers Often Don't Do Enough. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, as we get started this, uh, this new week, uh, Monday podcast, we do have a review on iTunes, and I just uh, I wanted to read it because I, I do appreciate this one. And this is from Mint uh, FHVT. Uh, and it says, hey, I'm fairly new to the prepping lifestyle, having listened to every prepped podcast show available. Out of them all, only one has been as helpful, entertaining, and fun to listen to. This one. Although his content are articles he reads, it's obvious that he puts a lot of time and thought into each and every show. He makes each article interesting and makes you wish the show was longer, perhaps an extra article. <laughs> Been there, done that. Makes them really, really long. <laughs> Continuing on. And these podcasts are daily and up to date, not weeks apart. It's like others and very few being up to date with current events. I think I've listened to every episode by now and have downloaded at least 90% to my phone. You never know if when the grid goes down and you wish you had that info to discuss or the how-tos that would come in handy and unavailable to get. Keep up, keep up the great work. Keep up the great job, Todd. Looking forward to your next episode, Mike. Hey, Mike, I really do appreciate it, man. I appreciate the uh, uh, the review, the five star review over at iTunes. Uh, it really is a blessing. I just, it really, it really, uh, it's just a really uh, big deal for me when I see one of those come across, and it's just, it's a, it's a blessing. So I really appreciate the, that review, Mike. Uh, I, I really do more than you can possibly know. Hey, I, I want to mention something uh, about the Facebook group. And so uh, earlier this week, I had a couple of people who uh, who asked to join. And uh, normally, I would have just kind of bl- deleted them. I wouldn't have uh, allowed them because they looked like they were, uh, well, one of them specifically looked like he was brand new to um, to Facebook. And so it looked like uh, the uh, you know the start date uh, of of because when you when you ask to join, um, you, I get to see like your uh, when you join Facebook and then the groups that you're a part of, right? And so this person had uh, was just brand new to Facebook and had zero groups that they were uh, in. And when you click on their name and you go to their feed, there's nothing there, and there was no picture, no nothing. Uh, and normally, like I said, when I see something like that, I just delete it because usually it's kind of a spam. It's spam or it's a spam bot or something like that. I'm not playing games like that, so I just delete it. But this one said Joe Prepper. And so I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. So a, a spam bot wouldn't call themselves Joe Prepper. So I just kind of sat on it for a little while. And I was glad I did because I received an email maybe a day or two later uh, from the person who who uh, was is Joe Prepper on Facebook, and uh, you know, let me know, hey Todd, I'm I'm I, I, I'm not on Facebook, but I did join Facebook because of the podcast and because of uh, you know, you talk about the Facebook group, and I'm kind of excited about being a part of it, and I joined as this name as Joe Prepper, and so uh, I won't read his name online from the email address because or from the email because I, I don't I don't think he wants his name known because he's he's using Joe Prepper on Facebook. 
And so I wrote back. I'm like, man, I'm glad you. I'm glad you sent me an email because I was about to delete you uh, because I just, you know, I kind of look at that because in order to protect the group, I am kind of screening people that that join. And for the most part, if I see that you are involved in some other preparedness groups, I mean that's almost an automatic in, right? Uh, if I if I if I click on your name and I see anything kind of preparedness related, I kind of let those people in. Uh, I guess the people that uh, recently have had some, uh, I, I let a person in who was from another country. I don't even know what country they were, but I, I had have had people in preparedness from other countries like over on Top Prepper websites, uh, another site that it kind of runs by itself, but I've had some like um, foreign, foreign preparedness sites join that, and I've had to go to their sites, and I'll use the translate button, and uh, I can kind of see what they're reading, or I can read what they're saying, and I can see that it's a preparedness site, so uh, I go ahead and approve it. And so I thought maybe, okay, so this one I thought maybe was, uh, was one, so I went ahead and approved them, and then uh, immediately... They're like throwing spam up there. And so I, I went to their website and it was some weird, I don't know, weird thing. So I just blocked the person and deleted the, their post. And, and so I'm going to, you know, I just do that to protect the site because I just don't want it to be watered down with a bunch of spam and junk. I want it to be a community where people can go and ask questions and feel comfortable. And, and uh, even if you just kind of want to lurk and, and, and see what other people are saying for a while, there's a lot of people that do that. That's fine. You can learn that way. And so I uh, just kind of want to protect it. So if you're, if you're new to Facebook or you, uh, you, you're, uh, maybe you, you, you don't have a lot of those other kind of groups on or whatever, send me a quick email. I make it pretty e easy or you can even hit me on one of the, the social media accounts. I make it pretty easy. So I'm going to sit on those, uh, on those a little bit more, Pe people that I'm not 100% sure and if you don't get in right away, like that day or, or even that the next day, and usually I'm pretty quick on it because um, I can kind of do it from my phone and I can do it from, I'm always on the computer. I, I can do that pretty quickly. But if I don't do it uh, in a day or two, then send me a quick email and say, hey, Todd, I, I joined your Facebook group and here's my name or whatever. If you're using uh, you know a different name and uh, I'll go ahead and, and approve you. I just want to protect the uh, the group. I just, I'm not... I'm not into allowing, you know, a lot of other weird stuff in there. You know, I want it to really be preparedness-based. I really want it to be a place where people can, uh, you know, learn and, and help each other. So I, I know that I don't have all the answers. I, I, I read a lot of the articles. I've learned a lot over the years. But like I said, I am not, uh, I don't try to pass myself off as a prepper guru or a survival guru. There's no way that I know everything. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of knowledge uh, from years that they have acquired it from, from walking the walk and talking, or talking the talk and walking the walk, people that live on homesteads and uh, all the good stuff. And so, uh, you know, uh, they, they have a lot of knowledge that I don't have. So you definitely can learn a whole, whole lot there. Hey, in the past, we've had a, a meetup group. I, I know that there's a lot of people listening from all over uh, the United States and all over the world. But if you're here in the Houston area and you'd like to get together just for like a breakfast, uh, we had one not too long ago where we got together for dinner and we had a great talk. It, it was great. But then we said maybe it'd be better to do it like on a, on a Saturday morning where people weren't coming from after work or whatever. So I'm, I'm shooting for November 11th. If you're in the, in the Houston area and uh, those of you who have, you know, we've already had contact, I'll go ahead and send you an email and uh, just kind of give you a heads up. But if you're listening and you're in the Houston area and you want to get together for breakfast, 
I'm looking at the I-10 Beltway 8 area. I think that's central to the people that were uh, coming before. And, um, or yeah, central for everybody kind of traveling. And uh, we'll look forward to that. So if you're there, I'll make a couple more mentions of it. But like I said, I'll, uh, I'll contact uh, the people that were there before. And it was a, it was a lot of fun, I thought. We just got to, get to talk, uh, talk and, and, and share. And I think that was before Harvey hit. So, uh, you know, I bet we have a lot to talk about now. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the uh, first article of the podcast. This, one's comes, this one comes to us from readynutrition.com. And uh, the title is Woodcutting when the SHTF what you need to know to hastily acquire a wood supply. And uh, I think this is very, you know, this is an important one to consider. Um, not only the, the SHTF aspect of it, but just the, the aspect of uh, being able to, you know, have, have a wood supply to be able to cook and do all the things that you need to do. So let's go ahead and read this one. Ready Nutrition Readers, this piece is designed to help you plan out your wood cutting when the SHTF because you'll have to do it on the QT and keep your noise signature at a minimum. Seems easy, right? Well, it's not complicated, but there are some finer points to it. Right now, with half of my state of residence burning, we are not allowed to use chainsaws to cut wood. Yep, I've been hitting it with the bow saw and the axe on low smoke days. Bringing me to the next point, you will need certain tools to keep the noise down and also to conserve fuel. Here they are. A bow saw, 39 to 40 inch blade. A bow saw, 18 to 24 inch blade. An axe, a single edged. I like anything made by cobalt. A hatchet, make sure it's one solid continuous piece. A stewing, I think it's, is it S wing or east wing maybe, uh, makes some good ones. A maul, preferably an eight pound or more. Splitting wedges, assorted sizes, and good sharpening tool, and assorted sharpening stones. Your axe is going to be used to fell dead standing timber and also to segment larger diameter trees that will take forever with a bow saw. None of the methods are totally silent. However, in comparison to the chainsaw, they are. This is a reason that I place so much emphasis on cutting wood in the off season. That is to say, don't wait until the fall. Cut wood throughout the summer. Heating is one thing, but cooking is another. If you need to prepare food, you'll need that fireplace or wood stove to be well fueled. When you're trimming branches, if they're about 4 inches in diameter or less, use the short bladed bow saw. The longer blade saw is used on your larger pieces up to about a foot max. Then it is up to you to quarter them with your axe, your maul, and your splitting wedges. If you have a fireplace or a wood stove, you need to measure the diagonal inside length, knock it down a couple of inches, and form a template for yourself. I use an old 1x4 piece for myself. This way, you can use that piece of board to set against the edge of your log and scribe to make a cut for the piece to fit in your fireplace or wood stove. This will save you a lot of time measuring and you can keep the template for a long time. Just make sure it doesn't become mixed in with your wood supply. After the SHTF, you can also bring pieces into your basement to saw and chop away at a reduced, to reduce the noise. You want to cut wood at times when there are other noises around to cover your activities. Early morning before the sunrise or at night is not convenient times, as these are periods of the day when the surrounding noise is subdued. Your hatchet you want to use to trim smaller branches off of, off of pieces and also to cut small pieces of kindling and tinder. Make sure you have a tinder box and a kindling box to use for each of these fire starting sizes of wood. Cutting wood in this manner is a heck of a workout. 
please review my past articles on woodcutting. You want to cut in the early morning hours and in the evening hours to break up the physical exertion. You'll need to stay ahead of the game as the wood supply will burn up fast. After the SHTF, you need someone pulling security and preferably someone who can rotate into the woodcutting position. The example is John cuts wood for an hour and Al pulls security, then vice versa. It's a little different if you're out in the forest cutting larger pieces to take back home. Much depends on the weather and how far you have to transport your wood. Also, the method of transport makes a difference. When you have two to three feet of snow on the ground, you'll want one of those plastic toboggans to drag the piece back with you. A snowmobile is, a good, is good for a fast dash, but the engine is a dead giveaway. You'll also limit limited to the size of the piece that you can drag back. If the ground is bare, you can use one of those garden carts that holds up to 800 pounds of weight. I'm not recommending to you anything I haven't done. I told you guys and gals about permits from the National Forest to cut dead fallen and dead standing timber. I dragged wood back to my place with the cart and with the sled and a lot of, and a lot of it. You can too if it hits the fan. When you stack your wood, stack in layers and use your larger pieces as barriers to protect your house and make a hasty firing position if you need to defend the home. Before you cut wood in this manner, make sure you drink plenty of water beforehand and even load up on supplements such as BCAAs or branch chain amino acids and creatine to facilitate recovery afterward. One EMP and everything goes back to the dark ages. You can make it less dark and more habitable, habitable if uh, with a good wood supply that you cut without everyone knowing it. Stay in the good fight, JJ out. He says cut in the morning and in the evening hours, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's meaning uh, for security reasons cut because uh, he says at one point here, uh, be careful not to cut when it's quiet in the morning and in the evening hours. And then he says, make sure that you cut in the morning, in the evening hours for uh, just, I guess, for the heat and exertion and stuff like that to, to break it up. I'm thinking he's, he's talking about a little bit past the, the early morning hours when everything's so quiet and all the animals aren't moving and the birds aren't chirping and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I think this is a, a, valuable, a valuable article and not just SHTF aspect of it, but also the fact that, you know, do you know how to cut wood? Uh, do you have ways of, of using that? Because eventually, uh, all your propane, even if you have a big, you know, a big uh, uh, propane uh, bladder out in the, in, in the back, you know, a tank, uh, not a bladder, a tank, and uh, you, you have that in the back. I mean, we, um, when we um, had our place out in the country uh, before, uh, we had one, I think we only refilled it two times in all the years. I mean, we had that sucker for a long, long time. And so in all those years, we only refilled it. And I mean, we had pure gas and we, um, you know, full gas stove and full, uh, you know, even, we, you know, laundry. You know, it was a gas, uh, uh, a gas uh, dryer, you know. So uh, we used it for in the water heater and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, they'll last a long time, but eventually all that stuff runs out. Your propane tanks are going to run out. Your, your small little propane tanks are going to run out. So you're going to need something. Uh, you're going to have to cook and, and, and heat with wood. And so do you know what to do there? And I, I really do think uh, saws are a little bit easier. Um, you know, when I think about, I don't know why, it, it's one of those things that uh, an ax, if you don't do it right, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't take precautions, you can really, really hurt yourself. And so I think a bow saw might be a little bit, uh, 
a little bit easier for those who uh, are, are a little bit more afraid of swinging that axe and, and hurting yourself because if it was an SHTF situation, you know, it, it, it's just you and, and whoever you have with you to help you, uh, you know, if you, if you do hurt yourself. Yeah, there's a couple of comments in here and one uh, mentions a 36 inch blade and uh, where he picked it up that you can still get it online. And uh, I, I, again, like I said, I like the idea of having a template where you're cutting uh, you know, wood to a certain size. But having all these, having all these, um, these tools available to you, when you if you need them, I think those are important. Uh, one of the things you don't always hear too, too much about, you hear about sharpening uh, and good sharpening tools. Um, and over the years, I have done, I've linked to articles on sharpening knives, uh, plenty of those, and videos, plenty of those on Prepper website. But one of the things you don't see too, too much is sharpening uh, saw blades. And uh, you know maybe that's something somebody needs to do out there, or maybe we need to find a, a video on YouTube or something and link to that. I think, um, I mean, I have done a couple of those, but uh, it's, they're few and far between. And so I think that's one thing. It's, it's easier, like right now, you can just go to Home Depot and you can grab a new saw blade. Uh, it's easier probably than saw than uh, sharpening it, but if you don't have that available to you, you know, do you know what to do to sharpen? Do you have the the tools to sharpen a a, a saw blade? And so uh, you know that that too to can uh, to think about. Yeah, I uh, talked about. I, I really this one kind of came up for me because uh, Barbara posted uh, an article on the Facebook group about uh, wood cutting and uh, posted a, a truck full of wood, and we went up to the country this weekend. And uh, just we did a, a quick uh, trip, just a day trip to go, uh, you know, take care of a feeder, a deer feeder. And uh, Dad bought a new tractor. Uh, I posted that up on uh, on the the Facebook group as well. And uh, you know, just to kind of do a couple of things and come right back. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I love going out. I haven't been out there in a while, and I missed it. Uh, the weather was nice and cool, and so uh, it just lets me know I need to go out there a little bit more often. But one of the things that we are that we do have is we have a, a wood splitter, and it's a manual wood splitter. Um, but it's um, you know I think we I think Dad bought it at Northern Tools if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it's just one of those that you can you know you're going to be cranking and stuff like that. But it's a lot it's a lot safer than splitting it with uh, maybe with an axe, and a lot of easier than than trying to split it with. Uh, uh, with an axe and using those kind, you know, those muscles, uh, and and you're able to do a lot, you know, in a little bit. So uh, you know, that might be something that you, if you have a place out there, that's something you can do. There's been a lot that I've seen over the years where people have made, uh, you know, some that have been easy to split and um, uh, wood splitters and, and things like that. If you're the type that can manufacture something, those are those are really cool as well. All right, so that's over at ReadyNutrition.com. A good article to go check out. There's some links there. And then, like I said, the comments. All right, this article, this next article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. This, uh, this title is Six Things Preppers Often Don't Do Enough. And so uh, I want to go ahead and read this one because there's some good stuff, good things here that, that you probably need to uh, consider, uh, especially those of you that are, that are new to preparedness. And those of us who've been doing this for a little while, uh, we tend to forget some of these things, you know, we, we tend to, we, we just start plugging away and we just start, you know, we just start going after it. And it's good to remind ourselves of some of these things. So let's go ahead and read this one. There are things we as preppers need to do more of or do a better job of. 
You know it, we know it, but that doesn't mean it gets done. Spice and I talk about about it in our weekly podcast. You can listen to it by clicking the link below. But here are six things that we came up with that we see as things preppers need to do more or be better at. Fitness. Let's start with the bottom line. The best way to survive in an SHTF situation where medical care is limited or not available is to not have any preventable health issues. The body requires daily maintenance to keep it healthy. This includes regular exercise, decent diet, proper hygiene, and regular medical examinations. You don't have to be a great physical specimen. You don't have to look like Arnie or Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2, but you do need to be in a decent cardiovascular shape. Anything you can do to not need prescription meds is a big plus too. So I agree with that. Uh, definitely on that one, as, as much as you can be healthy, and uh, the healthier you are, the better you'll be. And I forgot to mention that uh, they do have a podcast um, uh, over here, Salty and Spice. do have a, a podcast that you can listen to, uh, and uh, it's episode 38. Um, <clears throat> they do the same thing that uh, Survivalist Prepper, Dell and, and Lisa do over there at Survivalist Prepper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know where they they do their podcast and then they have uh, you know a lot of show notes that go along with it. So good information here. Uh, the next uh, the next one is skill development. It's one thing to have a bunch of stores put away, but if you don't actually know how to use them, they won't do you any good. Why have spare parts for your firearms if you don't know how to install them? Why have seeds if you have no idea how to grow them? Why have a chainsaw if you don't know how to use it safely? Another great example is a first aid kit filled with all the goodies. If you need to use it, it's generally in a hurry. You won't have time to sit and read a book about how to stop bleeding using a compression, a compression bandage. Realistic planning keeping you in mind what you can and cannot physically do. Do you plan to bug out or have a get home bag? If so, have you ever bugged out wearing the bag or tried to get home using it or at least carrying that amount of weight? Do you have physical limitations that would cause you to be unable to use a lot of your preps? You don't know until you have tried. Short-term food prepping, especially easy to prepare, carry food. Most preppers have plenty of food, but many people have very little quick, easy to prepare food that requires nothing but water or is just ready to eat. When we get caught up in an SHTF situation, the first 72 hours are likely to be pure chaos and food for that period of time needs to either be ready to eat or the next best thing to, to be ready to eat. Add water and stir. Water purification. Virtually every prepper we know has a way to purify water. One way, however, isn't good enough. Two ways to purify water isn't good enough. Every prepper must need, needs multiple ways to purify water with them at all times when, when away from home. Why? Because situations might make one way unworkable such as boiling, or a filter may break or clog. You never know when you are going to have to go into get-home mode, and being without water is the quickest way to lose physical performance. Ammo. Some people, like Salty, have more ammo than he can ever shoot in his lifetime. This is, frankly, silly, as he, the writer of this paragraph, will freely admit. <clears throat> Having said that, a lot of preppers have an ammo can full of ammo with a couple of boxes of ammo for each gun. That's not enough. We recommend shooting 500 rounds per self-defense gun per year, else you just are not in practice with the firearm. And we recommend having at least one year's worth of rounds per gun that you count on for prepping. This number will vary by gun purpose. For example, you might want to do more shooting with your AR-15 than the minimum recommended 500 rounds, but really only need about 20, 30, 30 rounds for your deer rifle every year. 
These are just some suggestions. Think about the things in your prepping life that you know you need to improve and make a goal of getting started with at least one of those areas this week. So there's uh, some comments here that you might want to go check out, about 12 comments, and some um, disagreement on the, uh, the actual number of ammo and uh, the uses and all those good things for it that you might want to check out uh, on that. So uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think the in the past the the normal recommendation was having a thousand rounds per gun per firearm, uh, you know that you have stored away, uh, and uh, you know so it, and you're not you're not burning through that right. So here uh, Salty's talking about uh, using and that's for your self-defense firearm, uh, using 500 rounds uh, a year. Uh, you know, in however many times you're going to the range or whatever you're doing there. Um, but then on top of that, I have, you know, always read and, and people have always said, uh, keep a thousand rounds, uh, you know, on after that, uh, that, that you're, that you use for that in, in case there ever was a situation where you needed to, uh, like an SHTF situation, a collapse situation. So some people aren't, aren't going to agree with that. Some people are, are not going to agree with that because they're going to say that's too much. Some people, a lot of people will say, that's too little. You need to have more. And, uh, of course, it always is a beneficial thing to have uh, commonality across your firearms. And so, uh, you know, if you're chambering a 9mm, making sure that, you know, you don't have a bunch of different uh, types of caliber firearms. You have to store a whole bunch of them. It's easier to do that uh, with, one, with one caliber. But anyway... Uh, you want to go check this one out? Go check out the uh, the comments and go check out Salty and uh, and Spice's uh, podcast and you can go listen to that one uh, over uh, like I said at Beans Bullets Bandages in You and uh, it brings up brings up uh, some things uh, definitely that we always need to uh, be thinking about and making sure that we don't just get complacent with our preparedness. It's easy to do that with uh, life starts happening. Uh, it's easy to, to become pl uh, complacent. So, um, all right, uh, good good articles you can go check out, um, you know, and there you go. I wanted to just kind of leave you with this thought. You know, I, I talked a little bit about going up to the country, and uh, we spent some time up there. Uh, my father-in-law uh, had, had an extra deer feeder. One of his leases, he kind of, he, he dropped one of his leases, and so he had an extra deer feeder. And so we put that out there uh, earlier this summer and uh, had it going. So we went up there because it was about time there to start replacing uh, the corn and uh, we hadn't been able to get up there and uh, we finally were able to this weekend. So we're up there and, and dad was bringing the, the, the corn. We loaded the corn up at the truck and brought it over with the tractor and we we're about getting ready to start dropping the corn in there and uh, my father-in-law realized that um, the door to uh, the programmer was, was, uh, wasn't there and then he looked a little bit more closely in the battery and the programmer were gone. And so um, we started like looking around and at first my thought was maybe, uh, you know, maybe a, a deer came up, a buck came up with uh, some horns and kind of, you know, I don't know, was trying to force some corn out and, uh, and pushed it out. And then, you know, maybe it got tangled up. The wires got tangled up in his, in his, uh, his horns or something. I mean, I don't know. But we found it kind of thrown into the woods. And, uh, you know, when we start looking at this, like, no, this wouldn't have been something like that. Uh, this was actually somebody who came across uh, the deer feeder and didn't like it. And then we, 
uh, we looked at uh, the stakes because you know we, there there are hogs out there, and so we're uh, you know my father-in-law wanted he staked it into the ground and we did you know he did a real good job of staking it down, so it looked like some of the ties were untied. So, this, but some of them weren't, and so like they tried to untie some of the some of the ties, and they were just going to tump it over. But when they couldn't, they just ripped out the programmer, and uh, so you know, totally, totally not cool, man. Uh, especially when it's on your own property, and people are coming and they're they're walking your property and they're they're vandalizing uh, your deer feeder. And uh, my father-in-law, it, my father-in-law has some friends up up around the area where we were at and he's like Todd you just don't know country folk <laughs> you know he's like they're they're probably looking at this as uh you know as you are drawing deer that they're planning on hunting you're drawing them away from from their feeders and uh you know I'm like it's just totally uncool so when you when you hear about people and maybe that's true maybe that's not that that you know the purpose of that uh, maybe it was just some people just trying to be mean I don't know but when you hear about uh, you know moving out to the country or you know like hey you're an outsider because uh, he mentioned that a while he goes hey to them you're you're an outsider you you come only on the weekends or you come every so often and uh, you know they you know they don't like that although there's a lot of people around there that are very very friendly and when we're there they come and you know they they talk and those kinds of things but uh, you know it, it it it's one of those things that goes to say that hey. Uh, you know, uh, you are, I guess, maybe an outsider. So, well, I guess we'll never fully know. Uh, we did drive into town, and uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I made that comment today at church. Uh, when you drive to Walmart, because that's really when when we're driving the, into town, that's only that's the big store that you have. You don't have a, a, another sporting goods store. And so, uh, driving into town, um, you know, it's it, Walmart here in Houston. I mean, I can be at a Walmart in five minutes. Uh, actually, I can be in multiple different WalMarts in about five minutes, and so they're just you know they're all over the place. But over there, it's a 30-minute drive just to get to the Walmart, and then a 30-minute drive back. And so we did find one, uh, a programmer, and was you know we went back, and actually the programmer that he bought was better than the programmer that he had, and uh, got it working and everything. And I bought a game game camera and uh, put it up and try to conceal it as much as possible, or not keep it as close to the deer feeder as uh as uh the one that was or, or as uh not keep it as close to the deer feeder to the tree that's closest to the deer feeder so that they would uh you know they wouldn't maybe notice it and maybe last time they did look around and and didn't notice it and this time they won't even look around if they try to do it again uh, i've thought about a wi-fi um, you know one of those deer feeders that we can will send wirelessly if you have any experience with that I'd love that because I, I don't, uh, hopefully they don't come back around again. Um, thank goodness the deer feeder was pretty much empty. Uh, and so, it, you know, they did it pretty uh, pretty late in the game. And, but hopefully they won't keep coming around uh, and doing that. But if you have any experience with any uh, game cameras that are, that are Wi-Fi, I'd love to be able to, uh, to have one of those so that I can see what's going on right away. Uh, that would be that would be beneficial, uh, and uh, I'll do a little bit of research that, to that as uh, m- myself. But anyway, hey, thanks so much for uh, being a part of the podcast starting off this week, uh, Monday. I mean, it's going to be a busy week for me. I, I bet it's going to be a busy week for you. But in all of that, I hope you have some time uh, to do some uh, some preparedness and uh, build some skills, read some articles, listen to some uh, YouTube videos, or watch, watch some YouTube videos, listen to some podcasts. And, uh, you know, just uh, start to live that more self-reliant life. 
If you get a chance, come by episode 179 of the Prepper Website Podcast. You can drop me a line uh, there and uh, love to always connect with you, uh, connect with listeners and get feedback. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and also welcome you again, like I said, to the Facebook group and you can go be a part of that and uh, just uh, that learning community. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.